Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name's Nick Ingvall, and today we've got a special guest with us to talk through some of the recent happenings. So I'm with my guys, Mike and Robbie, but I've also got my friend Brett Goliphon. What's going on, fellas? How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, man. Um, just making it. <laughs> this is about the best I can say right now. Yeah, just kind of making it through. I've, I feel like I've just been in a, a daze for the past 36 hours, not knowing, not just not wanting anything to be real is the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get into that. Obviously, we've got a lot of, uh, lot of important stuff to talk about, a lot of emotional stuff to talk about, but got to take care of business as usual. I guess in, in, in a sense, in the way that uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant would want us to. So. Um, if you've been following, we always want to read out one of our recent reviews on iTunes. If you get a chance to leave us a review over there, it'd be greatly appreciated. Today's review comes from J.R. Key. His review, uh, short and sweet, says, love the podcast. Feel like I'm talking sneakers with my bros. Uh, honestly, that could be the best review we've ever had because that's really what we want this to feel like for everybody listening. So definitely appreciate the review, J.R. If you're looking for more content from us, you can check us out, patreon.com slash sneaker history. Uh, we drop a, an extra episode of the podcast every week and content almost every day on, on our Patreon page. So that said, uh, what, what are you guys rocking? What are you guys copping this week? Um, today, I actually uh, I wore, my, wore my Kobe fives today um, and I actually put them as a permanent fixture on my my. my my office at work is just kind of like just there just now I'm in my work. So it's pretty cool to have them there. And then um, what I'm trying to pick up now is actually a couple pairs of, of SBs. I, I bought the, um, I'm away from coming to mail the, the Benji uh, SB dunk collaboration from that skate shop in Amsterdam. Got them for a really good price. Um, and then I've also trying to get my hands on a pair of the, Dunk Low um, J-Pack in the shadow color. Um, found them for really cheap as well, so hopefully I can get my hands on that pretty soon as well. How about you, Brett? Uh, today, I wore my Nike ID Zoom Kobe 9 Elite Lows and uh, for obvious reasons. And then most recent shoe, most recent two pairs of shoes I bought were the Yeezy 380 alien and then i got 
I finally bought the John Elliott Air Force One Low. Uh, it's been sitting on the website forever, and I had to do a return, and I just basically returned a T-shirt for a pair of shoes. Um, so those came in today, so I'm kind of excited about that. Um, the pair that I would say I'm most looking forward to next is that I was told by a close friend within the Yeezy camp that the the basketball shoe will finally be releasing over All-Star Weekend. So I'm waiting for that. That's probably what I'm waiting for next. Finally. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely been on the on the radar for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see if I actually and, and those, those... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um so I I wore the uh the uh Kobe Bryant like Reebok question uh PE that was done by Packer Shoes a few years back. Um and as you said, for obvious reasons. And I think like the next thing that's on my radar, um, I don't know if I'll actually pull the trigger on it, but I like the, uh, I like the James gang, LeBron 17, that like black and infrared colorway. Mm-hmm. I haven't got a LeBron 17 yet, but some of these colorways are just kind of too, too good to, to hold, hold back on. It's kind of interesting too, with like shoes, like the LeBron 17, I always feel like I should wait it out a little bit longer because the price is pretty high to begin with. And then, then the, the problem for me is like, I always wait too long. Meaning, so we'll see. I don't, I don't know when that one actually drops. I didn't see a date on it yet. When but you say you waited too long. Definitely. Like you mean that you just lost interest by that point or. Yeah. Kind of both. Right. Like I do this thing where I'll, I'll wait hoping that it goes on mm-hmm. a discount and then by that time, there's other stuff that's come up where I'm kind of, you know, yeah, moved on. Or if I'm still interested in it, what I'll do is I'll like, you know, have like notifications turned on for maybe like Nike or some of the, um, you know, kicks deals and stuff like that. So I can kind of see what's when when stuff gets discounted. Mm -hmm. But I always end up like not getting my size. It's always like, oh, it's discounted, but I, like size 13 wasn't available, you know, at that price. So then it per- just perpetuates the like, okay, well, I waited too long. It wasn't meant to be. I'll just move on to the next thing, even though I still <laughs> love the shoe and would love to have it. It's just kind of the nature of it, I guess. But that black and infrared colorway is out now. So, uh, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Because you're talking about the one that looks like the that was inspired by the Jordan 6, right? With the little lace lock on it. No, no, I'm talking about, uh, it, it might not be in- infrared. It's, it's like, it's got the James gang, like tongue patch on it. Oh, oh, okay. Different one. I heard you say infrared and my brain yeah. went straight to, to that pair. Okay. I think yeah. I have like a, I do like that a one, similar though. shoe for me like that, where I'm, I'm just having it sit in a cart, hoping that it's like going to go on sale. And I know by the time it goes on sale, my mind's going to be like past it is the, the air streak light. Um, the the retro the the Japanese colorways that they did like they've got the green and pink one and then like the black white and gray like I really really want that shoe I just think it's like quirky and nerdy running type product and really unique but I know like by the time I'm like yeah that thing's seventy bucks I'm gonna be like eh, whatever I'm good I don't need it anymore you know what I mean like <laughs> <laughs> man story of my life yeah, <laughs> yeah. yep. Um, 
So I guess uh, moving on from the the rocking and copping stuff, um, we obviously want to talk about Kobe Bryant and his legacy. And before I get into like my feelings on this, I, I just was sent a, a text from my friend Rob, and it was a link to a, a, a tweet from at Fresh Jam and. It basically says Kobe probably in heaven looking down at us like, quote, you over there crying and you need to go to the you need to be in the gym putting in work. And then it has the gif of him yelling soft. And. As much as like I 100 percent believe that tweet is probably 100 percent accurate, um, I still think that it's important to like kind of take the time to grieve and. um was someone like this who, you know, we'll get into all the ways that he kind of, you know, helps establish what most of us do. Um, it's it's good to kind of revisit some of the things. And, and specifically, we wanted to bring Brett on, too, to talk through some of the stuff that we might not think about typically just talking about the, the you know, the, 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 I guess, basketball and more um, fashion side of sneakers. So... I don't know what I know. Um, I know we just got a lot to get into. So does anybody want to start us off? Well, yeah, let's start off simple. Like what, what's your favorite Kobe footwear memory? Let's start there. Uh, me personally is a uh, Kobe five is my favorite memory. Um, it was the first Nike Kobe, I was actually able to get my hands on is, isn't that kind of that transition time? Where I was actually kind of, uh, you know, able to, to, to purchase, uh, you know, more expensive shoes. And when I really started getting my collection up and so I like, started really showing interest in it. It's funny because it, this is actually a gift. So my, my parents saw me like starting collecting sneakers and they're like, Oh, here, you know, they bought it for me for Christmas. Like, um, you know, when it, when it came out. So it was really cool because that was the shoe that he, he beat the Celtics in. Mm -hmm. And the color way I have is the, the playoff colorway, the playoff pack that had uh, the two Lakers uh, colors that came out. I have the, the black based one. And um, man, it's just, just that, that comeback of him, you know, avenging that loss from that previous final from the Lakers and just coming out there, just having no mercy and just, I don't know, man. It's just, it was, it's, that's probably my favorite sneaker memory. Just cause I was able, I felt like I was a part of it. Cause I had to shoot. He played in, uh, and, and part of that, in that, in that playoff run before he switched to the, to the white and gold pair. So, uh, that's, that's my favorite memory. I think for me, um, going to show my age being a little bit older than everybody here, but I, I think the, um, the first like feature wear commercial that I remember, I was actually still in high school and I mean, I can't imagine where I would have seen it at this point. Cause I, it, it had to have been, you know, probably watching basketball, but watching that commercial was like, it was just like the first time that I remember really Adidas like stepping into the sneaker world, you know, and, and it didn't even exist in the way that it does today, but Nike owned all of the marketing with the exception of like the Reebok pump stuff. Right. You know, and back then 
Adidas was just, uh, you know, they were so big overseas that they didn't really need to play, you know, in, in the U S market. But, um, the feature wear stuff always fascinated me. And I think the first time I really was like, holy shit, Kobe Bryant kind of moment was the dunk mm-hmm. contest in, I think it was 97, Min- right? Minnesota. And I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't remember where it was, but I just remember he was, he was in the, yep. like the purple, um, EQT elevation. And that became one of my like favorite shoes back then. And it never got it, ended up getting the retro. But what I also loved about it was it's really the first time I remember them playing in those shooting jerseys or, or, you know, like in the dunk contest in those shooting jerseys, which, you know, as a, as a young teen, I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. You know, it, it was like so much, it was so much different than just wearing a Jersey. Not that I didn't love seeing the jerseys and stuff, but the, the shooting shirts back then really stood out for some reason. And it's probably again, like going to the marketing side, but yeah, that's kind of the two um, most poignant, like early moments that I think like Kobe was like, you know, a big, a, a big deal yeah, in my mind. Think, How about I, you? Brad? I would have to agree with you with the foot, the feet you wear. Like, it made me think differently. Like I was just drawing so much then. So like that's 97, 98, like that era is I'm like a freshman and sophomore in high school. And I'm like toying with like trying to figure out footwear design. And I would just draw every shoe that I saw and then like make my own. And those shapes and forms were just so different than, than what, nike was doing or anything like that and i just thought it was so cool and the way he played was just so so dynamic and like just exploded and you just watched like like i keep thinking of like all those explosive dunks that he did essentially in like or the explosive moves that he did in like the 98 all-star game right like where it was him and jordan going back and forth for so long but like that that game in particular, you know, many people consider that like Michael passing the torch that game. But I just remember like watching him and like Garnett and how they played was so dynamic. And the footwear was just like this iconic graphic to me. But to me, like the shoes that I fell in love with Kobe for would be like... Kobe four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like that run of Nike footwear is just absolutely spot on, impeccable for me. And I think you can throw the hyper dunks into there as well. And I guess the Hirachis, because they all just grew from each other. I mean, it's all Eric Avar stuff, but the, there was something that was always really impactful about the way he like kind of showed a shoe. My actual favorite, like one of my favorite video clips that I haven't seen in such a long time would have been, must have been during the year that they were playing the Sixers in the finals. So what is that, like 01 or 02? He, uh, like he unveiled the Kobe 2 and like he is like talking to the camera and he pulls like the case off of it and like the camera zooms like way on it, like to the point where you can't see what it is. And I just remember seeing that shape and I'm like, oh man, that's going to be ugly as hell. But like watching him wear that thing on court, man, like he made it work. Like it was just, it's so cool. I got, it's, it's ironic. Cause I was looking at it on like Friday on like goat and like eBay and stuff like that. Seeing if there's any good pairs for, 
cheap because it was so just such a weird shape and just so unique. I don't know. I'm all over the map with my answer here, but I guess if I have to like pick the <laughs> one that I truly like get inspired by, it's I'm I'm probably with Mike here. It's probably going to be the Kobe five, but yeah. So it's kind of interesting for me too. Like now that I'm, you know, thinking about that Nike run, the Kobe four, although it, although now we don't look at it as like a true low top back when that shoe came out, like I was actually like working for nice kicks. Like, wait, I mean, this is like, Oh, seven, Oh eight or something. Right. So when that shoe came out, Oh nine. Yeah. So like, we were just like, what is going on? You know, like it was a game changing shoe, right? Because all the shoes, even in the Kobe line leading up to that were high top, high top, high top. And this coming out was like, like, wait, what? And then like the story of like soccer that was tied along to it was just like, all right, this is, this is, this is crazy. This is, you know, and now I look at it and I think, well, it was really not even a low top, right? It was like, it was like the same height as that a was, Jordan was 3 or something. And then you have all the other stuff that followed that was like, you know, even more, you know, minimal and even lower and even that started though, such a, such a change in direction for all of basketball shoes to me, because I, I would even argue that probably guys that play in, you know, maybe like James Harden or even what Russell Westbrook, right? Like those shoes are more in line with the direction of Kobe's signature line and what Eric Avar was doing with that than what the Jordan line was doing right. throughout the years, right? And it's really fascinating to to kind of step back and look at that. Um, but yeah, I think it's um, it's just really it's really crazy, you know, to think about how much you know it, on a professional level. Kobe's even just footwear choices and the design of his shoes impacted the rest like, of the league. I kind of look at his path as very kind of interesting, right? So like they tried bringing him in and it was in the middle of kind of the scandal that was going on in Colorado, right? So 2K4 was supposed to be his original first signature shoe. Then they obviously have to call it the Hirachi 2K4. So 2K4 and 2K5, they're kind of like secret Kobe signature shoes and they would put his logos on there and stuff like that. That's like Eric Avar, right? So Eric gets sick, has to take his leave from Nike and Zoom Kobe 1 and Kobe 2 are done by Ken Link. And those are clear, like, those to me are clear differences in the line, especially if you think of where like 2K4 and 2K5 were. So then you go from that to, um, oh, what's the dude's name? Uh, Tracy, Tracy Jarvis. Uh, he does the Kobe 3 with Avar kind of helping as Avar is coming back into from being on leave. And then from that point on, you really saw where the mind of like Avar and Kobe like clicked. 
and you see where they were able to take like what what footwear is i mean like the thing that i love about kobe because like you don't see it in anybody else michael i believe did a really good job of hiding it with fashion but like i don't think kobe and i'm sorry for the language i don't think kobe literally gives a fuck of his shoes like look cool to anybody like he wanted something that was going to make him the best basketball player on the planet like he wanted to come in and say this shoe allows me to do x y and z on the court and that means that i can drop that 63 through three quarters because everything is performing at my absolute highest level like man i've been around enough athletes and i'm not going to say i've been around like as many as some other footwear designers and stuff like that there's very few people that can communicate to you as to what that actually means to them. Most people will tell you like, oh, it's a comfortable shoe or I really like the way it looks or something like that. But for somebody to be able to tell you with like great defined detail what they need to make them perform better is a rare trait, a very rare trait. Yeah, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about the Kobe line is that it seemed like he was a part of every moment of the construction of the shoe and like, Hey, I want it to, I, I want it to do this. I want to do that. You know, just like Brett was saying, and yeah, he could give two craps about it if it was, you know, Oh, I can wear this with jeans or I can wear this in the street. He wants to be able to go out there and have basically a weapon, a, a piece of equipment to, to tear you yeah. up on the court. And he like the shoes are so innovative. Like he pushed the envelope with every model that came out. You know, you went from, you know, the high tops with the one, two and three. He's like, let me get, I, I love soccer. They can make the same movements as a basketball player and not be restricted at the ankle. Cool. Let's break it down. I want to be quicker, faster, lighter. Boom. You got four, five, six, seven, eight. He hurt. He tore that Achilles in the eight, a ruptured Achilles in the eight. Boom, you get the nine full fly knit, like boxing style boot. Like he took inspiration from things that that not only brought him joy, but brought him just like different edges of competition because he's like, hey, if I, I like the way boxers move. I, I want to go out there. I'm going to go knock you out. So I'm going to build a shoe like a boxing boot, but make it out of fly knit, which is the latest technology. We're going to go ahead and, you know, do all this great stuff with it. And I feel like even though Kobe's shoes, they're just like everyone else's, they did increase in price point. That's just the natural, I think, evolution of things. His never got ridiculous. And there was always, like when he got to that, to the sevens, they got to a point of, hey, yeah, we're going to make a more expensive model, but the base model's not going to be taking anything away from performance. If you want to get this extra, cool. But if you want to stick with the base, we're not taking anything away from it. You can go out there and kill on the court with this as well. So I always respected him for that and just always wanted to have an edge and always given us the edge on the court, even though we had, you know, not even a millionth of the talent level that man had. That is kind of interesting to think about all of the like secondary lines that came out too with Kobe, you know, I mean, obviously MJ had that kind of, you know, team line, back in the day, but Kobe's were really always more performance focused for like a takedown line than 
you can almost everybody almost else, argue right? that in like some cases yeah. the hundred dollar shoe was as good as the two hundred. I mean, like some of the the venomans. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that properly, but some of them were just so <laughs> immaculately, perfectly designed, like just incredible for what you got for a hundred bucks. And if you found it on sale, it would be better than. I'm going to say it, but I think it'd be better than like a LeBron and maybe even a KD at the time. Like that, it was such a perfectly well-engineered shoe. You can get so much out of it. I would say that we haven't seen a takedown line have that level of attention paid to it. It is probably what I would say to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Cause it, it really was, you know, I, I think, you know, in hindsight and seeing him after his career and how how involved he be, became in basketball on like a a very like, you know, entry level for kids and building out his Mamba Sports Academy and all of that stuff, you know, it really it really like stands out as like something that it was just really special. And I think that, you know, for a lot of the signature athletes shoes that are out there, the, the KD, the, the Paul George, everybody kind of has this talking point of making a shoe that, that kids can get for a hundred dollars or, or less or whatever. But thinking about that, you know, now I think, you know, I mean, Kobe was already doing it right. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the shoes that he necessarily played in, but he made really great performance shoes for an affordable price for a whole host of people that probably, you know, probably don't even realize like that, you know, like what you said, Brett, where it's like, this is a shoe that is arguably one of the best designed basketball shoes, you know, of the day, even compared to some of those other signature athletes. So, um, what what do you think will be how do you think like f- the basketball footwear design will be impacted by Kobe's line as we kind of move forward with all of this stuff no that's a pretty broad question but i'm sure you yeah, can give I us mean, a pretty good idea well uh geez that's tough i mean like if you think of the ad stuff right the ad next stuff which is very odd for me to state now um as an acronym but like if you think of all that stuff i loved it right i loved the the 360 the knit one that they did i guess would be the first one i think that was like 200 dollars. that was and what is that it's almost three years now um and then going with the one that they released kind of late summer early fall that was the high top with the the laceless closing system and stuff like that. Very, very advanced, like pieces of tech and really pushing what it is. Right. Um, but I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here to say that it wasn't selling extraordinarily well. Um, in the sense that like, not that it was doing bad, but I don't think it was moving units. Right. So I'm look, what I'm hinting at is I just really hope it doesn't die. Like at the end of the day, I think basketball is in a really, really tough spot right now where so much of the world shifted to running shoes five, six, seven years ago. And basketball has been kind of trying to keep up 
and it has its occasional hits, but I don't know if this is an actual true number, but it was told to me by a friend that's in the footwear industry that like year over year right now, basketball has declined by almost 13%. And when you think of that, like I would actually see a Kobe line still have a great opportunity to have true success because it has specific meaning. You can look at the Kobe and know exactly what it stands for and what it's meant for. Like, you know that when you look at that, that's a true basketball shoe. Whereas, and Nick, I didn't listen to last week's episode, but I read the whole uh, gist of what you guys talked about. I don't know that I'd look at the West, the current Westbrook and look at that and be like, yep, that's a basketball shoe. Like, that's that's what I want representing, you know, performance on the court, right? So my statement being is that I think that there is an opportunity to continue growing and building it around innovation. Like, I think he is the pre-Fontaine to basketball. What pre was to running in the sense of, like, innovating and being, like, this test meal for Bill Bowerman to create product around, Kobe is that for basketball. And I think that legacy will live on because I believe that that's what Nike is as they create. Like, Nike is innovation and... I just don't see that. I hope I, I hope it doesn't stop. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great analogy too. I think you know, we I think I think the thing that, you know, I'm I'm taking away from like this conversation and just like thinking about like Kobe's legacy um as much as as much as like what like Michael and Tinker did with the Jordan line was game changing, you know, it, it's almost like footwear wasn't ready for the, the technological advancements that came when the Kobe line started, right? Like that kind of stuff has, has, you know, it's almost like, this is a, a terrible example, but it's almost like, you know, if you look at like the way phones worked, you know, 20, 30 years ago, if you had a BlackBerry back then, you know, you weren't really doing anything in a, in a crazy advanced way, but you had your email on your phone. And then now you have the iPhone, which is literally like better than most people's personal computer computers from 10 years ago. Like you could literally do everything with it. And if you apply that same jump in technology and the passion that like Kobe brings to the table and what's been able to be done, you know, like the, the 80 next line is, is a great example because I also feel that there's a, there's this like, there's this thing about Kobe's sneakers that it's always about performance and it's always about pushing the envelope. And it's almost like the 80 next line was like, like this might be too crazy for mainstream, but let's just do this because what if something cool comes out of it and we can apply that technology to the yeah, Kobe line car, right? down the road. And yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, I really hope that, that, you know, the legacy continues on and, you know, hopefully, you know, obviously not, not that you could replace someone like Kobe, but I hope people step up to the table to, 
you know, kind of carry that torch in a sense yeah. in regards to his signature line. Well, I hope what they do first, I mean, first, first off, yes, I do not let this line die. I still put the same energy, same passion into it that Kobe would have wanted because just like you guys said, I think that's probably the, probably the best thing to say is like this, this AD line, this next line is almost like a concept car. It's like, hey, how much tech can I put in this thing and still make it? You know, not not a novelty, but something that's going to perform on court because you do see a lot of, uh, I haven't seen that, that last model with the strap on it too much, but a lot of the AD line you saw being sent out to colleges and a lot of those, that, a lot of those were used as team shoes. So they're definitely getting performance tests and clearly they can hold up to high level competition. Um, but I feel like this would be the perfect time to go in and really dig into that, that pro tro title, that pro tro mantra that they've been trying to, to build up. And, you know, they did an amazing job with, uh, with the one I say, they just go back and revisit these for right now, you know, just to go ahead and pay homage to Kobe because, if you look at the shoes that he that he wore, I almost like to start with the fork. I feel like the four was the one with the like the most, you know, the most eye popping like change in you know build and change of technology. All those shoes still hold up with their current structures to play basketball in. Now I say go in, tweak the technology in them, and just do one at a time. Build them up, pay respect to Kobe. In that time, be working behind the scenes on, you know, whatever you want to call the next line. I don't know if they would still want to go with AD. I mean, that's, you know, Brett said it earlier. It's kind of weird to, to say that now. Um, but use this time to be in the background, working on something new to continue that legacy. Um, while at the same time, producing those, those sneakers that what added to Kobe's is a legend. And I think that that would be the best way that Nike can go about preserving and then growing Kobe's line. Like, yeah, I like I I agree with the sentiments. I think it's uh, I think they have a fine line that they have to play with, like nostalgia and like what the future is. And I think what made the Kobe line so loved by so many, like what I actually hear you saying is like the level of innovation captivated you and like you went after it. Right. So if you kind of keep going down the wheel, well, which I don't believe is what Kobe would want. I think they need to like balance it and just make sure that whatever they're doing is truly, and they will, I mean, they, they're, they're good. If they, if they, if the family still supports them keeping this alive, I think that, they have an opportunity to live the legacy of what the man lived his life after. And I think that's, that's exciting. You know, Nick, you said a couple of things that really kind of fascinated me that I didn't necessarily click with, but like the two things, like you mentioned the Jordan line and like Tinker and everything, like what I felt like those guys always did, what Tinker did was blend like sport function but with storytelling, right? Like he'll tell you the thing that he every the the thing that he brought to the footwear industry was storytelling. He learned that through architecture. Everything kind of has to have this reason and this emotional connection. And so he took Michael's ideas of 
how to make it, you know, without toe caps and cleaner for him and feel better around his foot and stuff like that, but just had like these awe inspiring inspirational stories around it, right? We can all hone in on whichever one you want to think of, you know, from the the elephant print up to the patent leather, whatever you want to go with, 3M on a tongue from a world war plane, flashlight bulbs, all that stuff, right? But like that's where I thought it was important, like to what they did, because they kind of like opened the market to have this infusion of like emotional product and getting everybody to like, not just wanting, but like needing that to be a part of their life. Or so like Kobe was lucky. He came in with that already, you know, much like Kobe in his regular career comes in with like Jordan kind of laying the foundation and then he's able to take it and master like essentially what a basketball shoe in my opinion should be. And I think a lot of that comes from not like a lot of the shoes that he was doing, especially starting with like four, it wasn't necessarily new to the footwear industry because most of those are built the exact same way they're building their material soccer line. Like they brought in old world, like boot, beautiful construction techniques into these footwear pieces where they could get them really, really thin, really, really minimal uppers, really, really contoured and anatomical and just built around the foot and brought that to the basketball court. That didn't really exist before then. Maybe a couple of the Pippins and a few of the Gary Paytons, but for the most part, it just didn't exist. And that's where it just took off from there. Now, do you think that's, a result of Kobe's kind of, I think, I think Mike brought this up earlier, but do you think that's a result of Kobe's kind of just uh, like obsession with competition and, and seeking those things out? Or is that something that you think came, you know, from more of the designer side? I think like, I mean, look, I nerd out about this stuff. So just reading like every, every Eric Avar interview and then Kobe interview combined, like you could tell that those two were both triggered by the same thing. Like they both want to make the best thing for the athlete. So <clears throat> I think it's partially what Kobe was probably surrounded with growing up playing soccer, still being in love with soccer. Um, and then him just pushing himself and knowing what, he needs to do to make himself better and properly communicating it, right? A lot of this, what it comes down to is beautiful communication. A lot of people cannot like figure out how to confidently say what is wrong with something and be able to communicate what would fix it. Like that takes vision and that takes like, that takes a lot of intelligence, man. And that's not to say that people are, are ignorant if they can't do that. But to be able to put your finger on something and know how to truly fix it, that's that's a special person. And I, I just think that that's where he was so rare. Like we don't – it doesn't exist very often, man. Like it's a special, special thing. Yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because – I think that's something that uh, is just, you know, even outside of obviously footwear, but like the ability to communicate clearly. And I think also realize that, you know, kind of it's, it's okay to have different perspectives on things. Obviously we're in like a, a 
a pretty trying time with with many different things going on in the world but it's it's so it's so obvious to me that you know like Kobe and and Eric Avar had this this relationship that that you know kind of blossomed through these shoes right like it's crazy to think that, but like you really do once you, once you get to vibe with somebody and get to know somebody and, and uh, like grow as a, per, as an individual and, you know, establish your, your own kind of understanding of, of who you are and what you're looking for and what you're experiencing and what you need to communicate. Um, it's, it's a really powerful thing. And it's awesome to, to hear you say that, you know, in regards to the design and the progress that the Kobe line has made throughout the years, because I do think that it's an important thing for people that are listening to just keep in mind, you know, like I think, you know, as much as we want to celebrate Kobe as a basketball player, you know, I think most of what you see on social media is a great reminder that, you know, his, his work ethic on himself was really the most powerful thing about him as a human right. being, because he, you know, whether it doesn't really matter where you're reading it, but like, you know, Kobe was relentless in becoming better, becoming the best. You know, I, I saw a clip um, from the Drew League uh, on Twitter or Instagram or something that basically was like, uh, you know, him, him showing up at the Drew League to play. And, and I think, James Harden is there and DeMar DeRozan is there. And this is a few years back, like significant number of years back. And he's talking trash to somebody on the sideline. And he basically says uh, something along the lines of, of, you know, who's on the list. It's like, will me, Mike, that's it. There's nobody else on the list, you know? And this is before like LeBron is, you know, LeBron is only probably, four or five years into his career at that point. So like we knew he was going to be great, but like, I think that's, it, it really speaks to Kobe's kind of like just obsession with greatness. And I don't know, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but just to hear like that come back around about that, like kind of communication and understanding what you're really experiencing wearing these shoes, what you're looking for, what you're wanting to work on and what you're wanting to do and having all those things align is obviously very powerful and, and, you know, I know the I'm world, talking a lot in this and I apologize, but like, I feel like the thing that I want to be more like the thing that I'm most appreciated about of Kobe, if I have to like sum it up is probably actually his mind because like, like I was reading a thing that Pippen put up today and, and Mike basically, Mike Jordan basically said the same thing yesterday like Pippen kind of broke it down over the years of their relationship today and, and kept like just talking about how Kobe would just talk and learn from him and learn from him and ask him questions. Kobe's like true skill in life. Like, yeah, he's a phenomenal basketball player. He's tenacious. Like he wants to win. He wants to grow, but man, he knew how to adapt. He knew that his, he had to change all the time to keep growing and learning and gaining. People don't grasp that, man. There's a lot of people that just kind of like get to where they're at. And whether it's basketball or whether it's a regular day job, Kobe treated everything as like an opportunity to grow, learn, and gain. 
And that I think reflected into everything that's around him, all the stuff that people are like reposting and putting up. That is like what I'm taking from it is like, look at what this man looked at in life. Like he took every transition and did it at the absolute best that he could. He's like, well, I'm going to go in and learn this, right? Like, so he wins an Oscar. So he, you could watch him with Gigi teaching her everything that he knew about the game. He's teaching like a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, and 12-year-old, basically stuff that like him and Michael Jordan learned when they were like 35 or 36, right? Like he had a way of, of <laughs> evaluating yeah. and shifting and sharing that learning which isn't easy to translate to somebody else. To anybody that's ever taught, it is hard to get somebody to truly see your vision. And that dude knew how how to get people to see his vision. Like, that's a special thing. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, well said. And just to like kind of add on to what you were saying, Brett, the best thing about that, like he not only made sure you saw his vision, but he never compromised that. So when you look at, I want to say it was that documentary they did on, I think it was the muse, but he talked about, he basically, he, he took that 20, 20, uh, 2009, 2010 team, took them kicking and screaming to that back to back. He didn't care. He wasn't going to compromise for somebody who didn't want to practice as hard as him. That's, that's what I take away from Kobe is his work ethic and his conviction to what he wants to bring to every day, whether it be the basketball court, you know, the boardroom, you know, film, whatever it may be to, to his, you know, his Academy for kids to his books that he's writing. He was writing for children. Like he did not compromise whatever he wanted to do. He knew he had a vision and he never said, okay, well I'll do it this way. If it makes everybody else happy. He didn't care if it made everybody else happy. It's his vision. He saw it to completion. And and again, back to the shoes. He never said, oh, well, if, you know, the trend is going this way, let's go ahead and do it this way. He said, screw that. I'm going to go ahead and start my own trend. And you can see if, if we transition back to sneakers for a second, he would start something. Then you start seeing every little line kind of trickle his way. Because he was on to something. They may thought he was crazy. They may thought he was arrogant. But turns out he was right half the time. And whether it be something. I mean, you look at people in the court. You have all these people who follow his, his teaching. You have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum. All these guys who basically following in the footsteps of Kobe in a sense of how they're trying to learn. Because he was one of the all-time grace his he would you know ruptured achilles i'm going to shoot these free throws before i walk <laughs> up the court you know like though that's something i'm never going to forget because i want to be able to have that kind of work ethic with whatever <laughs> i do where hey my legs falling off but i'm gonna finish what i started i just the only comment that i would say to you mike is yeah, that i don't believe that kobe ever said the word trend i feel like he was like i don't I think he's just like you know what this is going to take me to championship three four and five right like you know you're right right. I couldn't completely miss the chance I forget where the uh, where the clip came from but um, it, it kind of 
you guys talking about that kind of reminded me of a clip that um, it, Toby's talking about. It might it might even be from like um, from the awards where he's like, I can't, you know, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't be there tonight. But basically, he's like, he's like going in in depth onto like doing what you love and loving what you do. And, you know, that being the reason for your success. And I mean, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the work ethic, but I think on top of that, you know, doing what you love and, and, and not, not, not doing things just because it is trendy or cool, but like really finding a way to love what you do whether that's an office job or playing basketball or being an entrepreneur or whatever it is, it's so important. And, and, you know, looking at his legacy, it reminds me of how important it is to, to not just like fall into the trap that the nine to five is right. And capitalism and all these wonderful things that like create that, you know, work, make our world exist, but like, if you're going to someplace and just leaving, you know, it's taking more yeah. energy from you. You got to look at that and think like, how do I turn this around? Because I mean, life is short and you only get it. You only get one chance at this. So if you're given eight to 10 hours of your day for something that, you know, you're not really in love with and you know, I'm not not saying that you should just quit your job right now, but like, you know, find a way to love it. And if you can't love it, then find something that you truly love to do. Because in the, at the end of the day, I think all, all these people that don't chase after whatever that is, you know, and, and I'll find this clip hopefully and put it up on, on our social accounts. But basically, you know, in short, he's saying, got to do what you love. Otherwise, it's not worth it you know, thinking about what you guys just said and his success, both in basketball in like teaching the game in film and like everything he was about to do, you know, I, I really truly believe that like as much as he made himself, you know, who he was through basketball, like, like Brett said, I'm more fascinated with his mind than anything. And I feel like we were just on the verge of really truly understanding how great he was and yeah it's uh it's just unfortunate that um that he's no longer with us but hopefully you know i my hope for that my hope for everyone that's listening would be to look at what this man has done and you know the good and the bad because i think it's important to look at all that stuff but look at what this man has done and the number of people that he's inspired to chase their dreams, to play the game of basketball, to shoot better baskets in that trash can in the cubicle. And all those things are super important. And to, to really, rather than like look at and, and miss who he was and, and like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't grieve, but I do think that like, it's an opportunity for us to like, look at him and think, you know, this sounds totally yeah. cliche, but like, what would Kobe do? You know, um, 
it, it really is a powerful thing to be able to see an example of someone chasing to the highest level every aspect of their life and how we can take that and oh, apply yeah. it to our own life. Add to that, so, like, um, like being a father, like, don't take for granted like how much that man loved his children. Like you can see it mm-hmm. in the images. You can see it every time that he had them courtside that he would give them a five. I mean, in, it's hard to say it, but like he, they, they passed away with him trying to better her opportunities. Right. Like, like a hundred percent of his life had shifted to just being a phenomenal father don't just look at him as like the athlete but look at him as like the man and what he was giving back like it's really really important really important yeah and i was they were showing clips yesterday and it's crazy ironic and just sad and like ironic in a really sad way that the reason he started taking a helicopter, not only did he not want to live in a city, but he wanted to be able to make sure that he could train the way he wants to train, compete the way he wants to compete, and still make it to yeah. his family's events on time. Because he's like, I'm not sitting in this traffic. If I have to practice until you know X amount of time, I'm going to get in this helicopter and get to my family when I told him I'm going to get there. Like He had to have the balancing act of, I'm going to be – the best basketball player around, but I also want to be the best dad and husband around. And yeah, Brett, just, just like you, I mean, I'm a dad as well. And I, it is, uh, I think that's probably like the hardest part. It was like, it was hard. It's like, Oh man, you know, Kobe, like one of my all time favorite athletes and like heroes on the basketball court has passed away. But it's like, it's, it's way bigger than that. Like not only the, you know, he lost, he lost a kid. His wife lost a husband and a, and a daughter in the same, same time. I, I couldn't even imagine that. And yeah. like, I, yeah, it, it seriously, like my brain can't even put those pieces together. And of me and my wife were actually talking about it because we, I think just like everyone else, we found out in kind of a state of confusion because I had a buddy overseas send me like the TMZ clip, but couldn't find the, you know, find a link to connect to anything. So we thought it was a hoax, but every five minutes something new would come out. And the crazy part is like, my wife is such a, like, has such a like strong faith. And she's like, you have, we have to look at it this way. It is awful, but you have to look at maybe he, he, he's fulfilled his purpose on this world. And hopefully the same for the, you know, the, other eight souls on that, that, that aircraft, but they fulfilled their purpose. They did what they're supposed to do and they're supposed to leave something for us here. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I don't disagree with you at all. Mm. So before we wrap up, um, I just wanted to read this quote. I kind of found it now in, uh, um, the, the full quote was the lesson that I cherish the most is how important it is to love what you do. If you love what you do and it's making you happy, all the hard work and perseverance will pay off. And I think that is just absolute gold. If you can think about that every time you think of Kobe, yeah. I mean, the, the world would be a better place if we're all thinking that way. So, um, 
Thank you all for rocking with us. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. Brett, why don't you let them know how they can find you, you on social? Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really on it that much. You can find me at Dollar on Instagram, and that's about it. So, you know, but yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on and, and talking through some of this with us. We definitely appreciate you, yeah. and, and we'll for sure have you on uh, in the future. We've obviously got some some good topics lined up that we've already discussed, but uh, we'll leave that. We'll leave that for us for now and make sure that you follow at sneaker history on all platforms and uh, Mike, let them know how they can find yeah, you. Uh, you can find me at sneaker history. Well, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at mad watcher seven, eight, nine. And of course uh, the new YouTube channel, uh, Mike Guillory. I have a new video coming up tomorrow. Um, record this pre um, the passing of Kobe. So it's going to be something probably completely off the news cycle, but maybe it'd be a good break from a lot of what we've been seeing. So hope I can provide you guys a little, little breather for a moment. Yeah. And we lost Robbie, but you can follow him R A H B E E seven Oh two on all platforms. And uh, thank you all for listening again and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey everyone. This is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History crew, become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.